Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. Sweet cherry blossom, Coach Taku listeners. Actually, I'm pretty sure by the time this episode drops, we're either in the peak of or just after the peak of cherry blossom season. So, how fitting. Have you gone to any viewings? Anyway, I am your host, Christina Stathopoulos, joined by the radiant, transcendent, brilliant co host, Mary. And this week, we are going back. We are covering a show. That was so popular, so inspired that back in 2006, they actually made a live action film adaptation. I've never seen it, but if you have, let us know what you thought of it. I am talking about the romantic comedy, Lovely Complex. So if you've never heard of the series, Love Calm, as it's you know lovingly known by its fans, is the story of a taller than average girl and a shorter than average boy navigating being high schoolers in love by creating bets with one another about who can get into relationships and who can't and how quickly and all sorts of fun, silly shenanigans. Anything else you want to say about Lovely Complex as a series, Mare? It's such a fun, it's such a fun show. I mean, this is like a light feel good kind of thing. And the coaching topic that we're going to be talking about with this one is about authenticity and how we show up. And I actually love it for this anime because, I mean, it's high school. We are still learning who we are in high school. There are so many factors to consider, like how do people see us? How do we show up in front of our friends? And authenticity is all about being who we are, like being ourselves both inside and out. So it's especially fun to talk about it in this setting where I know that there's so much pressure sometimes that we put on ourselves as to how we have to show up for other people and not ourselves. And almost in a way, like uh, the expectation of who we should be almost overshadows who we really are at our core to an extent that we're not really connected with ourselves that way. So what does it mean for us to show up authentically? How does it show up in other ways? And in this conversation, how does it show up for Risa and Otani, who are our main characters? Yes, there's nothing like a good teenage slice of life series to really have you ponder what it means to be authentic. Because like, just for a moment, like separate yourself from the show for a second and remember what you were like at 15 years old, 16 years old, even 17, 18. Like, did you really know who you were? Were you focused on being like your friend group? Were you focused on being like no one else on purpose so you could stick it to the man? Like we've all been in this place of trying to encounter who we are. And so I think the other thing worth noting about authenticity, especially for the series, and we'll really see it with our leading man, Otani, is authenticity is just about, it's just as much about being authentic with other people 
as it is about being authentic with yourself and being truthful to yourself about your wants and needs and desires. So I think I'll leave the coaching talk there for a second and we can really get into it with our deuteragonists, which I recently learned is the word when there are two protagonists in a series. Um, but Mary, why don't you kick us off? Where do we want to start in the Risa and Otani chronicles of love and mischief and comedy? Probably by introducing our character. So we have two, two main characters, Risa and Otani. Risa is tall for being a, a girl. She's tall. She's they think they say 5'7", which remember in Japanese culture, 5'7", is pretty tall. And Otani is pretty short for his age. So you have like this kind of difference for them, like this opposite thing going on. And Risa seems really confident. She's really good at sports. She's, you know, has a friends and all of that. But we can tell she's really insecure because of her height. And she doesn't feel very feminine because of her height. And then you have Otani, who is arrogant (laughs) and might be because of his height. And he also has this complex because he feels he's too short. And so that comes out, especially when we discover very early on that they have crushes on these two other students, these two other characters in the show. One for Risa, the guy that she likes, is tall. And for Otani, the girl that he likes is pretty petite. (laughs) And (laughs) what's really funny, I'm laughing because I'm just remembering the scene, is that Suzuki, the guy that Risa likes, actually turns her down because she's too tall and reminds him of a boy or a boy's height. And then for Otani, it's the opposite. Like uh, Shihiru, uh, Shiharu, sorry, actually turns him down because he's too petite and she thinks of him as a girl which is like really ironic and super sad but it actually is a thing it's the catalyst that brings these two together to say oh hey we can bond over this thing yeah and you know I think even just sharing their early early saga rejection stories is a great place to start because again when we are out in the world when we're first born, like think back to when you're a toddler, right? Like you probably entered a room like, I'm here. Aren't you lucky? Like we didn't tend to overthink who we were and what we were going to do and how people are going to interpret it. We just showed up and were who we were. And then as we get older and we get feedback, like you're not girly enough or you're too short to play basketball, you start to compensate for that. And you start to think of ways to you know, deal with the labels that you're being presented. And I want to start with how this shows up with Otani first, because I think it's very apparent because it's so polarizing. You know, you talk about this complex that he has, Mary, and, you know, uh, if you're not familiar with the expression, they say a Napoleon complex is the arrogance and pride that short people have after Napoleon Bonaparte himself, who is a very petite French conqueror. and What you realize is Otani kind of likes the fight me attitude. Like Like he compensates for all the comments that people give him about his height, especially because he's a very passionate basketball player. It's kind of like the, yeah, yeah, I'll show you. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you got nothing on me. I'm gonna do the best there is. Oh, I'm shorter than you and I can whip your butt in basketball anyway. And so he he almost over-exaggerates the height 
because that's what people tend to see about him first anyway. Whereas on the flip side, what we actually learn about Otani, and funny enough, this is why Chaharu views him as feminine in a way, is when he's not playing up the arrogance act, who he is at his core is really sweet and really kind. There's actually a scene where Chaharu tells Otani that she feels like why it's so easy for her to confide in him as a friend is because of his kindness. Now, granted, she goes on to label being kind like that as womanly or feminine, which causes its own myriad of issues. But if you weren't busy labeling it, it's actually a huge gift that Otani could have if he was willing to lean into it. But instead, as a stupid teenage boy, instead, he likes to fight against it, rebel against it, and create a lot of drama and extra problems for himself. Yeah. And the thing that I think about Otani that I'm most drawn to is in this for this particular conversation is that in terms of authenticity, we know that he has like this defined sense, this defined physical image of what a relationship should look like, what a couple should be. And we can tell because of his previous girlfriend, it was very much like Shiharu in physique. I think the difference was like eye color or hair color or something. But other than that, physically, they're identical. And you, we know that he has this idea of this is what a relationship should look like. And what's interesting about as the story goes on is that you, we see him fight himself in terms of authenticity. Because ultimately what happens is that Risa falls in love with him. And she fights herself, but not in the same way that Otani does, because Otani is fighting himself, his feelings, his views. And that really shows up in the way that he interacts with Risa and the people around him, where we can see that there's a contradiction between some of his actions and his words. Yeah. And, you know, In return, Risa, as we learn, even though she comes off as very confident, very cool, very collected, here's this tall Amazonian woman who's great at sports. Of course, she must have the world figured out. And inside, she's like a constant pant. She's like a walking panic attack. (laughs) And in addition to having the, the insecurity around her height and her femininity, The two other traits that kind of bite her in the butt sometimes are A, she's incredibly naive, like incredibly naive and and even uh, immature in a way. Like when you bring up things like holding hands or kissing the boy you like, it's total beet red blush moment. And she's also, and I say this with all the love in the world because I love Risa as a character, she's a little dumb. (laughs) She's not book smart. And she more oftentimes than not combined with her naivety lacks some fairly basic common sense. And so the way that we see her try to compensate for these things is she kind of buys into the comedy duo that people label her and Otani as, because as it turns out, there happens to be a, uh, a co-ed comedy duo that's very famous that also has a height difference. And so they get compared to these comedic characters very often. And so you kind of see Risa use her naivety and her dumbness to just like play up being the butt of the joke and allow for the laughs to happen. 
And for her, part of the consequence of that, of hiding behind the humor, is she actually attempts to confess to Otani after she realizes that she has feelings for him. What is it, Mira? I, I lost count at three. Is it three different times? There might be a fourth, but it's at least three different times that Risa tries to confess her feelings to Otani and he doesn't believe her. Like he doesn't, <laughs> it flies completely over his head. Like he cannot comprehend that it's a genuine love confession. And I mean, talk about consequences. Like what's, what's bigger than someone not realizing that you're trying to share your love for them as a consequence. And, and on the flip side, on Otani's side, I can kind of think that it goes back to that authenticity piece because I don't think he realizes himself how much he cares about Risa the first time that she confesses. And it doesn't sink in that this is a potential match for him at all. Like he's just not aware of it, even though he spent so much time with her, even though like when they're together, it's so seamless. It just doesn't click for him. And I think that's also a reflection of how disconnected he is in a sense from his own feelings and his own needs and his own wants. And so what's interesting is that as the series progresses, he does these things that are kind of like in opposition. And Risa does too. Like this is this is both parties here because Risa laughs it off and she's like, I'm okay with just being friends, even though that's not true. Clearly it's not authentic for her. And then we have Otani, who's just like, well, I'm confused about what I want. I guess this is fine. And so you have this, this kind of in-between state where it's really undefined what they are. But you know that they're, at the end of the day, they have this connection. It's just that neither one of them is being really honest about it. Yeah. And to your point, Mary, of where the it takes two to tango, like both of their lack of authenticity and lack of honesty with each other gets them into trouble. You know, then on the other side of the coin, once Otani does realize that Risa was being serious, Risa goes on to cover up her feelings. She actually goes on to develop a crush on one of her teachers. I believe he's the English teacher. They nickname him Mighty Sensei. And, you know, the thing about having a crush on Mighty Sensei is it's, very, it's a very safe place for Risa to have her feelings. Because even though she creates a whole fan club around him and all the girls in school love him, the fact is this guy's engaged. He's not going to date a high schooler. And so there's something safe about romanticizing a relationship that has no possibility whatsoever. And at one point, we actually come to learn that Risa purposefully developed a crush on Mighty Sensei as a way to try and forget her feelings for Otani which is deliberately inauthentic. It's like, oh, let me make a huge deal about this other person so as to squash down my own feelings and squash down what's going on for me. And Risa is so determined to give up on Otani that when he finally comes around to reciprocate her feelings, which includes kissing her, she doesn't think they're dating and she doesn't think that they're in a relationship. I mean, there's <laughs> Christina, I don't know about you, but I was watching this. I was like, oh, my God, intervention is so needed in this relationship, like coaching, group coaching, couples coach. There's there is relationship coaching. So, you know, we, we do have relationship coaches that work with both parties. 
but it's that same thing of like the not being true to yourself because honestly either one could have either one of them at any point in time could have said hey this is this is how i feel this is what i want and are you in or not as clear as that and could have broken the cycle at any point in time but because of the fear of rejection of the fear of like their feelings of fear of being honest with themselves they didn't take that step and so what you see is this long series where they go back and forth with all these shenanigans and get their friends involved and end up in this in and out cycle over and over again and then you know and, and to just like move into other different characters where we see like this authenticity piece show up i know that one of your favorites christina is mimi and i love mimi because she's so much fun but i'm gonna let you talk about her and take the conversation yes oh my god so uh quick peek behind the curtains folks as mary and i were preparing our notes for today and what we wanted to talk about i actually asked her i was like can we pin ourselves when we've got like at least five minutes left because if we don't talk about mimi i'm going to be so upset if just to remind you all especially if it's been a while since you've watched or read the series mimi is otani's neighbor and so they, they have that like friendly neighborly relationship, like, you know, he'll stop by and get milk from her, all those kinds of things. And Mimi eventually develops a crush on Otani, which plagues her to no end because she's tall. And she clearly distinctly remembers Otani saying that he would never date someone who's taller than him. And so here she is forlorn, having this crush that could never be reciprocated and really beating herself up for it. You fast forward to Risa and Otani finally getting together and starting to date. Mimi meeting Risa and being horrified, like equal parts devastated, infuriated, betrayed. Meanwhile, keep in mind, Mimi is the one that made up the rules of this game, right? Like, like she never confessed to Otani. She never told him how she felt. She never bothered trying to pursue him anyway. She had just decided that it was a hopeless cause. And so Mimi attempts to sabotage their relationship to get her revenge and maybe one day get Otani back. And while this in itself is ridiculous, weirdly enough, Mimi is one of the characters that brings out a really authentic moment for Risa. Because the thing that the two of them have in common is that they're both abnormally tall for being girls their age. And they've both dealt with the complexes and insecurities of not being deemed feminine enough. And one of my favorite moments in this entire series is when they're bonding over how they both compare themselves to Otani's ex-girlfriend, Mayu. And Mayu is like, she's like a doll. You know, she's super tiny, super petite, slender, soft-spoken, the epitome of like what a girl, quote unquote, should be by the, the beauty standards of their middle school and high school. And so Mimi, for all the crazy that she is, has this really sweet and authentic moment of getting to bond with Risa about both of them just being like, yeah, like, like, I don't know what Otani sees in me. Like, you know, there are so many perfect, beautiful women out there and somehow he chose me. And Mimi's like, 
yeah, that's how I feel. Why would anyone that I want ever choose me? Cause I'm not perfect like Mayu. And it, it's just, uh, to me, it's, it's such a sweet moment when you see like the love rivals bond for a minute. To me, it's like the perfect high school trope of like the rivals to companions uh, sort of moment, even if it only lasts for a brief moment in time. Yeah, I mean, I love Mimi for, there was a different scene that did Mimi for me and and here it is. Like, so Mimi is a model. That's actually, she's she's tall, she does modeling. She knows she's gorgeous. And what's funny to me is that because she has this huge crush on Otani, she always shows up as extremely sweet and feminine whenever she's around him. But the moment that she learned that Risa was dating him and the moment that she got a, a moment alone with Risa, like her personality shifted 360. And instead she became like this really like catty bitchy like how the hell did you do this kind of thing and you saw like a whole different side of Mimi and you're like whoa what just happened but in that she brought like authenticity and power and real feeling and you saw like this this person who wasn't just this one aspect wasn't just like this sweet kind feminine entity but actually really complex and we see a moment when Otani actually witnesses this and he's like, oh my God, Mimi, what happened? And I think that's actually one of the moments when I was like, oh, she's starting to actually empower this side of her. She's actually starting to embrace this side because after a while, what we see is like, she didn't care that Otani witnessed it. She was like, okay, I guess he saw this part of me and I'm going to have to deal with it. And here I am. And that's that's a part where I really fell in love with Mimi. It's like when she had started to own all of it. And she was like, here I am. I'm a badass bitch. What? Yeah, I'm a badass bitch. What? We should just end the episode there. Well, all jokes aside, you know, to wrap it up, Love Calm, it's near and dear to my heart. I, I just can't get enough of the romantic comedy tropes. I think that they're great series. A, to just feel good, if I'm being honest. And B, again, the great thing about high school-based series is you really get to look at people developing their personalities, growing into who they are, accepting who they want to be versus who they think they should be, and maybe getting a significant other along the way. So if you love the episode, feel free to let us know by tagging us in your comments, reposting when we chat about it. You can join us for our live. It happens on Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern on the same days that we drop our episodes. We'd love to have you start some cool conversations, chat with some of our other coaching friends that pop in now and again. And if you have any other romance series that you really love that are near and dear to your heart, I know that the whole uh, rivals to lovers is a common trope in anime that I'm a big fan of. And so if there's another series that comes to mind that you want us to cover feel free to give us some suggestions on our Instagram or our Gmail, Coach Taku Pod. Yeah, and to end this episode, just think about the places where you're being authentic and how you're showing up. And with that, uh, until next time, everyone. Thanks for listening. Take care. You're subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, Coach Taku Pod, C-O-H, C-H-T-A-C-U-P-O-D or email us at coachtakupod at gmail.com. 
Love your wonderful host. In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at herextinaroar on Instagram. And you can follow Mary at mary, M-E-R-Y, dot the nerdy coach. Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.